innovative, often duplicated. When enough people get on the trend, I elevate it, make it way harder for them to follow what I take. It hard to swallow like a lozenger lodged in your trachea. Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up. So just take your stuff, rake it up, and take the bus. Never fake the funk, you painted skunks. You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space, so the weight is up. Fight, fight. It's January 2019, which means it's time for a very special episode of Dirty White Belt Radio. This episode is very special not just because we get to introduce the Dirty White Belt Awards for 2018, but also we get to introduce you to a rising star on the competition scene, Austin Daffron. You might have heard a quick interview we did with Austin last year. He also goes by the name Duck Jitsu. Austin just won the 125-pound finisher series that Show the Art puts on, which is his biggest win yet. You'll want to check out our featured interview to figure out all he's going to be up to in the coming year. After that featured interview, we're going to announce the Dirty White Belt Awards for all the different categories. From there, we're going to get the traveling trophies sent from their worthy recipients last year to their worthy recipients this year. We wanted to make sure that the folks who won last year were not eligible in the categories that they won last year, just so we could spread some of the love around. We get a lot of incredible nominees this year with voicemails, phone calls, text messages, and posts on the internet running wild about who deserved what honor. The results are terrific. I have no doubt about all the recipients being deserving, and I can't wait to announce them. So we're going to announce them right after this interview with Austin Daffron. It's the holiday season, and if you're anything like me, you ask yourself during the holiday season, when can I compete in jiu-jitsu again? Well, our favorite tournament organization, U.S. Grappling, has a bunch of upcoming tournaments in 2019 that are already scheduled. March 23, they're going to Frederick, Maryland, and April 27, back in Richmond, Virginia. You should check out usgrappling.com not only to register for those tournaments, but because as new tournaments get added, that's where they'll be. We'll, of course, keep you posted on all our Facebook, Instagram, and social properties as well. But check out usgrappling.com. Register early for the tournaments, and you can save yourself some money. So please check out our favorite tournament organization, U.S. Grappling. Since we last talked to our friend Austin Daffron, he's been really busy. He won the Show the Art uh, Finisher Series at 125 pounds, and he has big things planned for 2019, including several competitions, a tournament he's putting on, and a seminar. So, Austin, welcome back to the show. Hey, how are you doing? Thank you for having me back. So, let's talk about Show the Art. This is probably your biggest win so far, I would say. Would, would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. With uh, local competitions, this is the first one kind of on... Uh the bigger national scene for uh, submission grappling definitely so so tell us a little bit bit about the field you had there were 16 guys tell us about the rules tell us about the field and we'll talk about your matches so we have 16 guys uh primarily from the east coast um i think there was one other guy from california so unfamiliar competition surrounding area new york maryland uh, a lot of good guys out there that i was unfamiliar with so I had to do some uh, studying on that, which was uh, it was fun to do. It's fun to look at the bracket, fun to check out other people's matches, see what they're doing. Um, yeah. So not only did you win the tournament, not only did you win the event, but you ended up submitting all of your opponents, and so that has that has to feel good. I know you always go into matches looking for submissions. Was that part of the game plan to go out and aggressively attack attack heel hooks? 
Uh, no, that wasn't on the game plan. Uh, certain guys I thought would be more open to uh, style attack. Um, but it was just something. Didn't force it. Went out there and uh, had a good day. Can't complain. Everything went my way. So, uh, you know, it's hard to have that game plan. Just going to go out there and uh, submit everybody really fast. But it just kind of opened up. It's always nice when it works out that way, though. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's, it's phenomenal. What are the most memorable um, uh, techniques that you hit that I that I that I remember from the tournament? It was one of your early matches. It might have been your first match, or it might have been your second match. But the Kanabisami, the uh, the flying scissor takedown right into the heel hook. Yeah, that one. Uh, I saw the kid warming up. That was the guy I did a little bit of studying on too from uh, his flow grappling, just on his IBJF matches. I thought he had uh, kind of a wrestling top heavy style and i knew he was gonna have a wrestling posture and that that move was gonna be there so i was definitely uh i was i was counting on that so yeah so that was actually one of the things that you thought you might try against this guy you you, you the scissor takedown was in in the plan yeah this this one was i was just gonna go out with it um throw it up and i'm pretty good at that movement so i know if i miss i'm still gonna be in position um you know it's low risk high reward and uh, it paid off so this field was full of talented grapplers. There were a couple guys from Unity, Jose Rodriguez and Talison Suarez, who had a tremendous year uh, winning the Worlds for the second time in a row, winning the Grand Slam. Um, and so to to come out on top in such a field of really accomplished East Coast grapplers, uh, that has to be gratifying. Yeah, it was. I've done a ton of, ton of film study on Talison, and uh, I thought we'd meet in the finals. I was watching all his matches uh, fairly closely he's probably the only other grappler that i was actually like uh checking out because i thought we'd meet definitely meet in the finals well hopefully you get to grapple him at some point i think that would be an interesting match that a lot of folks w- would enjoy seeing you know he, he primarily does ibjjf tournaments but i know that adcc rules are something they're not a stranger to at unity yeah that'd be a perfect rule set to meet at that it's like a halfway halfway point between uh, ibjf and uh the submission only grappling and uh yeah i'd love to meet in that rule set Another rule set without EBI overtime would be great too. It seemed like uh, he was, you know, one of the best grapplers there by far. It's just not his game to the to the overtime rules, but uh, definitely for any other rule set, I think he comes out and we meet in the finals. Well, speaking of rule sets, you know, and we we may return and talk to more about show the art. But speaking of rule sets, you're competing uh, a lot in the next couple of months under a wide array of rule sets. So let's talk about some of the tournaments that you have coming up. Um, I have ADCC Trials, February 9th, so it's going to be my first run on them. Uh, a lot of good grapplers in the bracket. Uh, hoping to get a big upset. That would be, be a good day for me. It's going to be a gigantic bracket. Uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens with that one. I'm going to get used to the ADCC um, style. So March 2nd is going to be Subspectrum uh, in Iowa. That one is also ADCC rule set. They've changed it from uh, EBI recently, um, so that's going to be interesting. Um, they had issues with guys uh, gaming it, and they're gonna they're gonna try this one out, and I think uh, it's, it's gonna be cool. And I'm glad I get to go out for the trials. Uh, it's 135 division, which is perfect for my weight. Can't complain. Uh, we have really great bracket for the the March second. 
Um, and then the the week after, I'm going to be in San Diego for Ultimate Mount Warriors. That's a 16-man bracket. I believe uh, Marcelo Conan, some other high-level brown and black belts are in that division. That's going to be EBI rule set, and I'm really stoked for that one as well. And for uh, for Subspectrum on March 2nd, you actually compete in the same bracket as Junie Ocasio, friend of the show, sponsored athlete of the show. And you you not haven't got a chance to train with or compete against Junie, have you? No, I have not. And uh, I'm excited to do both. Hopefully uh comes to Bellingham. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, best guys in the world. I'm excited to get out there and compete against them. Uh, all different rule sets. And that's, you know, it's kind of the plan. Do you approach training differently for different rule sets? Like, you know, if you know you have an EBI overtime thing, obviously you do a lot of EBI overtime rounds. But, like, if you know you have several competitions coming up and they have different rule sets, do you change your training at all? Yeah, this is going to be a hard thing, a dilemma on uh, what I'm going to be, like, focusing on. I'm leaning towards uh, ADCC rule set uh, for the trials and for March 2nd. But the, yeah, the week after is an EBI real set competition, which I would prepare for a little bit differently. Uh, so that's definitely a dilemma there, which one I want to kind of peek out for and do my best at. Um, yeah. Having a wrestling background has to help with the ADCC rules too, because a lot of jujitsu guys do not have that kind of experience fighting for takedowns. 100%. Definitely. Uh, ADCC definitely favors wrestling. Uh, and it's a really hard thing to get away with uh, not having a wrestling because you can definitely game towards high-level guard players for the you know later part of the match. And you can see some really good guys not come out on top on that particular rule set. So you definitely have to work in the wrestling. That has to be a heavy part of the training. Um, just like the overtime rounds would be for the, the EBI style. I think that's one of the things you have to really prepare for is the wrestling at UCC. So, yeah, certainly good luck on all those upcoming competitions. We'll keep folks posted on how you do with all of those. But I want to switch gears a little bit because you're also putting on a tournament uh, here at March 23rd. Yes, uh, Washington Submission Series. We're doing an open tournament at uh, Bellingham Mixed Martial Arts slash Bellingham (laughs) Jiu-Jitsu. So come through. We have uh, beginner divisions and experience divisions uh kind of for that you know white to blue range and then the blue to purple belt range we have an open tournament um round robin format so you get a lot of matches submission only seven minute rounds um so we're just trying to get guys matches and get out there we're also doing a a night card for a a buy-in style bracket um kind of like the tournaments i've been doing where you travel really far distances and then you get a plane ticket and you get a hotel. And then by the end, you're like, oh, I, I barely broke even here. No. <laughs> if you win, if you win, you get a little bit, get a little bit of money. But there's always, you know, 15 other guys that, you know, don't, you know, don't break even. So uh, definitely for the local talent, I think between uh, Portland, Vancouver area coming down, there's a lot of good guys. And they don't always have the opportunity to go, you know, travel across the nation to compete in a tournament it's not always um in the plans so i think getting these guys exposure would be uh be a cool thing to do because there's a lot of good grapplers in the pacific northwest 
Yeah, it's always great to see more events because, as you say, there are a lot of good grapp- grapplers up here. The Pacific Northwest scene is one that's definitely on the rise, so it's cool to have more events. I know, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to compete on your own event this time, so I'm sure that you'd like to see more sort of super fight tournament format events here. 100%, yeah. I'm not going to be competing uh, in anything I'm helping out with. Conflict of interest there. So uh, definitely getting more shows out here, whether it's the Fight to Wins or any type of shows that offer like cash prizes instead of medals. I'm totally, totally into it. So, so returning to, to show the art, uh, just to, to finish it out here, I'm curious about, you know, all your matches were relatively quick, but I'm wondering if you had a favorite match that you competed in at that event. Favorite match? Definitely the Connie Basami was definitely the mm-hmm. highlight of it. So no, <laughs> probably wasn't my favorite match. They're all, they were all fairly, uh, Fairly quick matches. Uh, I definitely thought the, the, the first round was going to be one of the tougher rounds. So that was something that I wasn't 100% on the the outcome of how I, I would be getting there. I was actually planning on staying away from legs from that one. So that was kind of interesting. It just kind of went for a leg drag. I felt the, the heels a little bit exposed there. and It didn't seem like he was turning out. So when I when I fell back on the leg lock, it just popped right away, and I, I got the tap on that. But uh, I was actually surprised on that one. Um, yeah, that was probably – and then the finals finals was, uh, you know, snap down to rear naked choke. That's always nice to switch it up, especially when you have guys like, oh, all I know is leg locks and all that stuff. So it's nice to – you know, submission's a submission, but it's, it's, it is nice to have variety with the submissions. But if – you know, you give me anything, I'm not going to complain. Whether it's a, uh, you know, leg lock or wrist lock, I don't, I don't care. I'll take anything for uh, the submission and regulation. That's always the, it's always the goal. Yeah, it always seems silly to me when people say, "Well, that submission's a cheap submission." All he got me with was his wrist lock, and I, my feeling is, if a tap's a tap, man. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Anybody that complains about. Uh, like oh that was a that rear naked choke was a face crank well you know open up your chin i would choke you or something like that it's like did you tap if you the answer is like yes then you know don't don't complain about it. especially in competition the training training is one thing but once we get to competition it's uh you know there's no no favors like of what we're going for is just looking to get to the submission as quickly as possible and honestly I wasn't hitting too many leg locks during training, uh, so I, I was surprised with the outcome where that, that wasn't necessarily the game plan, but it just seemed like the entries were there, the angles were there, um, they weren't as aware on the defense, they're a little bit slow, so just, you know, just happened, wasn't, wasn't something I was planning on, but, you know, I'm not going to complain. And you mentioned the leg locks, and, and you mentioned feeling a pop. Like, I noticed a couple of your opponents limping after, at least. Did you, did you, like, is that the kind of thing when you hit the heel hook that you know there's something damaged? Or did, or how, how did that transpire? So, I had three inside heel hook finishes. I had three ankle pops, and then I had one where their knee popped as well, and that was, that was the second match. Um, Tadaya, I believe, and he ended up competing at IBGF Nogi World, so he wasn't severely injured, which I'm grateful for. Um, but yeah, there was definitely a little bit limp limping afterwards. Uh, you know, just training the breaking mechanics and like knowing when you have it, you're gonna finish it is uh, definitely something I have confidence in. 
It's like, am I going to get there? Maybe. It depends how good the guy is. But once once I'm there, I'm pretty confident in getting the break. So speaking of mechanics and technique, you actually have a seminar that you're teaching up here in the in the uh, in the Northwest Washington area. You're teaching a seminar in Ferndale. Is that right? That is correct. Uh, and the focus will be on uh, leg locks uh, inside triangle position, honey hole, uh, and just basic uh, leg lock entries. Just really fundamental fundamental stuff. So I'm excited to get out there and uh, do a workshop. It's uh, January 26th from uh, 12 to 3. So you have a really busy schedule, man, between training, between teaching. You've got all these competitions. You've got a tournament that you're promoting. Um, how is the full-time grappling life treating you? Actually, I've uh, taken a break from uh, teaching. So that was one thing, getting ready for uh, Show the Art. I was in Switzerland. Uh, I came back early. I was teaching over there. Um, so the preparation for the show, the art was just hundred percent training, no teaching involved. I had, a, a over a month to get ready. So that was actually a nice switch off, but, uh, definitely like staying busy, doing everything I can to, uh, you know, make a living in jujitsu is the ideal because it definitely doesn't feel like work. Even when it's a little bit of work, it's still always worth being on the mats and, uh, I can't complain. So, and you know, that's one thing I think people miss is that teaching, you know, as much as those of us that love jujitsu love teaching, it does take away from your own training, particularly from a competition. And, you know, it, it and this, there's a reason why that, you know, we're, we're sitting here next to pictures of the Mendez brothers that the Mendez brothers, you know, won the world's, you know, four and six times. And then when they opened their academy, they retired simply because, you know, if you, if you're focusing on imp- your student improvement, you're, you, you can't focus on yourself. And I think a lot of high level competitors have to be selfish in that way. Yeah, it's one of those things when you are teaching, it's like you're teaching specifically for yourself. Like that's not that's not really really teaching. Like when I'm I'm just showing stuff for my game and uh whether it's an advanced class or whatever and it's like selfishly to get me better, like that's not going to be the outcome to, you know, develop a student especially, you know, on a fundamental level. Uh even even after the fundamental level, you're just like creating like a clone and to be like, you know, this way is the right way because it's my way is like ridiculous versus showing like, you know, fundamental aspects of jujitsu, general like rules on positions. Like I think that goes a lot farther than being like, I know trick moves from here and, you know, they work because I did them at show the art. No, that's not going to be uh you know, it's not going to be great for long-term improvement, I don't believe. But, yeah, it's just my opinion on that. Is there anything I haven't asked about that you really wish I would have asked about or anything that you definitely want folks to know that we haven't covered? No, I think that's all the all the big topics. Uh, busy schedule. Excited um, to train. Be traveling a little bit for the training to get ready. Be coming up here in Seattle and Portland. Should be a good season coming up, so. Austin's Instagram is Duck Jitsu, and I know that you, uh, you're sponsored by Happenstance Coffee. Do you want to shout out any sponsors? Yes. Uh, City Rain CBD. I believe uh, I did a podcast, and I said uh, Rain City CBD, so I got it right this time. And then uh, Ancient Elite Performance. Uh, I have a good friend who wrestled at Columbia that uh, has that. It's his brand. It's really phenomenal uh, wrestling shorts, the the best in the market i compete in them every time uh yeah yeah so 
I love I love good wrestling shorts. Well, Austin, thanks a lot for coming back on the show. Uh, congratulations on Show the Art and best of luck with everything coming up. Thank you for having me. One of the most exciting things that happened to me over this holiday season is I got two stripes on my brown belt from my instructor, Seth Champ. Now, one thing you may not know is that U.S. grappling allows all black belts to compete for free. That's right. If you have earned a black belt, you can compete in any of their tournaments up and down the East Coast and the Midwest, submission-only points. You can participate with the friendliest, most fun, most well-organized tournament organization for free if you've earned a black belt. And as someone that has not yet earned a black belt, I can testify that the registration fees you pay are more than worth the price of admission. You can register online at usgrappling.com. The main difference is you can save yourself some money by ordering early if you haven't earned a black belt yet. So if you're going to compete in Maryland, in Virginia, in any one of the upcoming tournaments in 2019, I urge you to go to usgrappling.com. You'll be glad you did. Before we get into who won, I want to make sure that I explain how we decided who won. Because I didn't want to make this a Jeff Picks the Winners Award, we assembled a distinguished panel of judges each year, both this year and last year. Seven people from South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, Northern Virginia, the District of Columbia, all over the American East Coast to judge the awards. These are people who are coaches, competitors, uh, lively and active members of the jiu-jitsu scene. So I wanted to make sure people were familiar with the candidates. Each of those judges was asked to rank the candidates one, two, three, with a first place winner being awarded three points and the third place candidate being awarded one point. We tallied all those points and decided who won based on the point totals. In one case, it was a unanimous vote. In another case, it was a tie. Both of these are firsts for the Dirty White Belt Awards, and so I couldn't be more excited to bring those to you. We're going to start with the kids. We got so many great nominees for the Young Jujutero and Jujutera of the Year Awards that we're splitting those into two categories. We only gave one of these awards last year, but there were so many deserving candidates that we decided to give an award for Young Jujutera of the Year and Young Jujutero of the Year. Let's start with the boys. In this case, there was a tie. Before we announce who won, I want to give some love to people who were nominated because people made passionate and compelling cases for both Logan Hicks and Braylon Manuel. Logan has one of the hammers from the 757 and has really been tearing up the competition scene. We're excited to see what he does in the future. And Braylon won silver at the pans training out of Diego Bispo Academy. With just a year of training, he has many accomplishments, and we can't wait to see what he does in 2019 and beyond. So congrats to Logan Hicks and Braylon Manuel for being nominated. Toby Gamble is the 2018 Kids Pan American champ, and Abraxas Scarberry is a regular successful competitor at U.S. Grappling. Both of these students are well-deserving of the award, our panel agreed, for different but overlapping reasons. Both are successful on the competition scene, but in addition to Toby participating at Coastal BJJ and Abraxas competing at U.S. Grappling, both of them are positive influences in their academies and on the competition scene. Plus, as one of our emailers mentioned, Abraxas always lets his little brother win his medals after he wins them, which we think is so congratulations to Toby Campbell and Abraxas Scarberry, our co-winners of Young Jujutero of the Year. For Young Jujutera of the Year, I want to mention two of the young women who were nominated and get an honorable mention this year, Amelia Gwynn and Emmy Hansen. Both of those got substantial support in the Facebook thread and some voicemails, which I'll play right now. I'd like to vote for the young competitor. That's Emmy Hansen. All I have to say about that girl is if I could stick her on my keychain as a self-defense device, I would. Somebody try to mug you, you pull her off your keychain and throw her at him. It would be a bad day for said mugger. Have a great day. 
Emmy has won many super fights uh, down in Alabama, Atlanta, fighting up in Maryland. Um, very unknown in this area, and I'd like to get her name out there a little bit more. The winner of Young Jiu-Jitsu of the Year is Adriana Barrientos. I want to read this email from Jim Hicks just to tell you exactly what kind of accomplishments that she had this year. She deserves this award especially after winning pans two times while fighting up weight brackets. Her competitor at the Atlanta Open had trained for months directly with Andre Galvao and flew all the way from California just for AD to beat her and take gold. She won the Aries BJJ Youth Athlete of the Year this award. She won an achievement award from the Filipino community in the city. She's also a straight-A student. When her training partner, Logan Hicks, was medically DQ'd from competing in a super fight, she stepped in on 24 hours notice against an opponent almost 20 pounds heavier and got the submission win. It's really hard to argue against Adriana Barrientos for Young Jiu-Jitsu of the Year. We're really excited to see what she does in the future. And congratulations on winning this award. Let's talk about match of the year candidates. There were tons of great matches at U.S. Grappling, at Toro Cup, at New Upstart Promotion, Serious Grappling. A lot of nominees for match of the year for men. Liam Kirk against Miles Williams at Serious Grappling. I contacted the guys at Serious to see if they thought that was as good as some of our panel did, and they did. Cody Malte against Seth Smith at Toro Cup. I rewatched that match and learned something from it every time. Jay Spate versus Isaac July. Love watching both of those guys compete. Those are matches that I watch and rewatch, and so it was a terrific year to watch jiu-jitsu. But all those matches received an honorable mention. The match of the year this year for men is a match that doesn't just take on significance because of its entertainment value or its technical value, but also because, dare I say, historical significance. DeAndre Corby took on Joao Miao, a world champion, and just put on a tremendous performance. Everybody knows DeAndre and how good he is, and to step up toe-to-toe with one of the best in the world, who he will meet again, was an outstanding and inspiring thing for all of us uh, within the Dirty White Belt Radio service area. And so congratulations to DeAndre Corby and Joao Miao for this year's Match of the Year. Match of the Year for women was no less competitive. There were a lot of outstanding matches this year, and a couple had significance in interesting ways. Tara Heber versus Christina Lin at Toro Cup 10 was a terrific match with Christina Lin, last year's Young Jiu-Jitsu of the Year, uh, taking on Tara Heber. Taylor Saucer very nearly won this award two years in a row. Her match with Amon Bilbesi from 2017 won that award in our inaugural run, and her match with Samantha Seff uh, finished in an honorable mention this year and got substantial support from the judges. But this year's win was a no-gi match at Toro Cup between black belt Samantha Fallhaber and Amber Agee. And Amber and Samantha put on a show. Uh, two tough, talented, technical, always moving, always exciting, physically adept, intelligent Jujiteras putting on a show for the ages. It's available online. You can check it out on the Dirty White Belt Radio page and on the Toro BJJ page. So congratulations to Samantha and Amber for this year's Match of the Year. Now we're getting into the most inspirational category, and there are so many people in jiu-jitsu that inspire people. Um, Christina Lin won Young Jiu-Jitsu of the Year and got substantial support this year for being most inspirational. Well, let's play a couple of voicemails in support of Christina. So I'd like to vote for uh, Christina Lilbet Lin as the most inspirational athlete. Um, she's, she's completely passionate. Her drive, she's coachable. She trains consistently. She goes above and beyond to earn her actual achievements. And she smiles and she, she accepts the wins and the losses. And she's just an all around great girl. She has inspired my daughter, um, to go above and beyond in all of her grappling sports. Um, she's just definitely an overachiever and all around great at what she does. For most inspirational athlete, uh, Christina Lynn. 
we just call her Bit. Uh, she's amazing. My kids, I have two daughters. They saw her at a tournament at our field house probably three years ago. And they thought, what the? She was easily the only girl there at the time competing on her level. And um, my kids just stood up on this mezzanine and were staring at her like, is that a girl? What's she doing? What is this? We didn't know back in the day, like, that was jujitsu. Just so happens that we ended up moving, finding jujitsu. My kids tried other sports, <clears throat> and they walked into the gym across the street. And lo and behold, this little hero that they thought was completely unattainable, someone they'd never meet was there. And Bit is so sweet. She teaches these kids anything she can because she knows that every kid in there is willing to take every bit of knowledge that she can offer them. She's quiet. She's respectful. She's strong. And she pushes through anything. She never backs down from a fight. Never. Like, never. She's just on. I couldn't ask for a better teacher and coach and idol or hero for my two little girls than that. She's just the bee's knees. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Brian Freeman, wheelchair jitsu, who is one of the pioneers of the para jitsu scene and just a tremendous guy to train with, positive individual, a guy who makes a contribution to the jiu-jitsu community in many ways. He also received substantial support. Another honorable mention went to Alexei Ishkakov, who's known on Facebook as Kororo Gunso, which is a hilarious reference and one of the reasons the jiu-jitsu community loves Alexei so much. Uh, but the godfather of jiu-jitsu in uh, the Dirty White Wilt Radio service area, Alexei Ishkakov, uh, someone who I've competed against, actually, is someone that inspires a lot of folks and uh, is certainly would be deserving of this award. But the winner of this award this year is someone that I've trained with for many years and someone that uh, does things in jiu-jitsu that also transcend jiu-jitsu, a competitor in mixed martial arts, a competitor in no-gi jiu-jitsu. We've even seen him in the gi a couple of times this year. Dewan Dirty South Owens does things for the community, and I could go on about why I respect and admire Dewan so much. But I called a friend and training partner of his uh, to ask if he might explain why Dewan Owens is the most inspirational jiu-jitsu of the year this year. Hello, this is Shaville Coker. I am endorsing Dwan Owens for Most Inspirational Athlete of the Year. And the reason I'm doing that is because not only has Dwan shown incredible prowess in the ring with his dominant performances and his ability to compete in various rule sets, but it's more so what he does outside of the cage. As a lot of you may know, the work that he does in Uganda, in Senegal, and in other places as well, is that he teaches self-defense and not only just teaches the techniques, but also talks about gender-based violence and the importance of consent. And these kinds of classes are so important, especially when we're talking about preventative occurrences and a way to prevent any kind of altercations. Outside of that, Juan is very actively involved in the community, from teaching chess, to always being a, a helping hand and a listening ear to various, various projects. This, this voicemail would be way too long if I were to label and go through all of the projects that Duan works on. But more importantly, he is an amazing ambassador for martial arts, a true embodiment of 
what a martial artist is, not just the physical performance, but also the ability to exemplify character, lead by example, and be a true person or a true entity or a true teacher that somebody could emulate in all aspects. These are the reasons why I would like to nominate Duane Owens for Most Inspirational and Influential Athlete of the Year. Thank you. Congratulations to Duane Owens, 2018's Most Inspirational Jujitero. We are blessed up and down the East Coast to have amazing jiu-jitsu coaches that give of their time, that give of their knowledge, that give of their technique, that support us in many different ways. And this category was super competitive. Will Lachine got a ton of support again this year, was nominated last year, and I think that... I think that the love that Will's students and the parents of his students show to him is so um, indicative of what he's like as a coach. And I want you to hear from a few of these people. I obviously wanted to nominate Will, Lucien, and back him up. He's amazing. The stuff he does for all the kids at Virginia Beach Jiu-Jitsu is amazing. He has the patience of Job, and all those kids look up to him so much, and anybody who can corral that many children without raising their voice and still have their attention and still have their respect and still teach them as much as they learn on a daily basis, hands down, coach of the year. <laughs> he also shows up to, like, every tournament. He'll, he'll fly out to Nevada, take a red eye home, and show up to coach all his kids. He's just so dedicated, so outgoing, and he's just a good guy. I like him a lot. So get this one out for Coach Will. Hi. I would like to uh, nominate Will Luson, coach from Virginia Beach um, Jiu-Jitsu. Um, I, I just think that he has so much class and so much um, love for the children, and he and he inspires them to go to other gyms so that they can – learn and do their best. It, it's not about competition with him. You know, it's not a business competition. It's about making each child better. He shows them love. He shows them respect. He shows them discipline. He teaches them, in my opinion, the 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 love behind it, the art behind it. I think that with more coaches like Will, um, our kids would learn respect for others. Um, it's not about, you know, not going to one gym because they're not within the affiliation. I think that we should all be one team. Um, I know we're always going to have different different um, gyms and different, you know, names that we're under and things like that. But Will doesn't choose for the children. He allows the child to choose. If the child decides to go to an open mat at another affiliate's gym, he's okay with that. He he wants the child to do that because, again, he wants the child to be the very best. He encourages the children to go up in belts because when when you're with Will, it's not that you win or you lose. It's you win or you learn. He encourages you to go up belts so that you can get that experience. Will is just an amazing person. I feel so good knowing that my child and my grandchildren are being taught under him to where he doesn't try to run other gyms 
saying who can and cannot come into my gym or your gym. You know, he welcomes all. He has an open-door policy. He wants all the children to learn and love one another, respect one another, because after all, isn't love and respect what this world should be built off of? I just think Will is an amazing coach. I just admire him in so many levels. Will Lachine gets an honorable mention, and he's going to win one of these years. I know it. Jason Culbreth and Cody Malte both got substantial support. Culbreth, a Masters Black Belt World Champion himself. Cody, Toro Cup winner this year, uh, head man of Elevate MMA. Um, substantial knowledge between those guys. Uh, incredible overlap in skills and abilities. Both receive honorable mention this year. Diego Bispo is a guy who gets support in multiple categories. You know, Masters World Champion, really crazy good jiu-jitsu, great kids program, uh, excellent instructor. Also received substantial support for Coach of the Year. So James Gamble at Coastal BJJ is active duty Navy, and he still shows up to every class, every open mat, goes to other schools, checks out their open mat and comp training, helps other schools, helps students other than his own get to the top of their game all on his own time. I'm going to read you an email from one of the students uh, that James has taught. James has been coaching my brother and I since I started competing about nine years ago. James is the one that talked me and my brother into starting jiu-jitsu. He coaches me to this day and continues to foster the next generation of competitors. Although he's been coaching for 10-plus years, his passion for developing young BJJ practitioners has not faded. He does an excellent job at developing students both on and off the mat. So I think every coach would love to get an email like that uh, about them from one of their students. But a story about James Gamble. One of our judges actually came to me and said, I want your advice about who I should vote for because I think I should vote for James, but I'm afraid it's going to be a cop-out. And I said, why would you think it's going to be a cop-out? Because the judge said, everybody likes James. Well, evidently from the vote we'd had this year, that's true. So congratulations to James Gamble, this year's Coach of the Year. Jujutera of the Year was absolutely stacked this year, and this was one of the closest votes we had. Two honorable mentions, both women that are extremely active in the jiu-jitsu scene and uh, all of its attendant priorities. Samantha Fallhaber, winner of Match of the Year, Black Belt, Elevate MMA. You know Sam Fallhaber, been on the show a couple of times, receives an honorable mention. Saida Durkee, also known as the Jinja Ninja, received substantial support, and I think that's testament to how much of Saida she puts into jiu-jitsu and contributing to the community. In addition to her extensive and uh, impressive competition record. Now for female competitor of the year, I'm going with uh, Saida Durke out of Maryland. Um, she's been killing it this year, winning tons and tons of matches. Even when she does lose, there's never a downside to it. She's not bumping around and complaining or what have you. She's just... Uh, Heart of Gold as a competitor. It's been an inspiration to my daughter. Um, takes time out and watch her just before she's got on the mat. She's coaching her competitors. She's just an awesome young lady and just amazing athlete. So here's where I'm going to admit something. I voted for someone that didn't win the award, and I'm going to explain why. Uh, ordinarily, I'm not going to tell you who voted for who or anything like that, but I want to point out that, and I apologize if I'm butchering her name, Maria Malasiak. So I believe she's one of the true hidden gems of the East Coast and doesn't get 
the credit she necessarily deserves for being an elite competitor. Since she was promoted to black belt last year, she's won silver at the adult black belt worlds. She won the Gi Pans, arguably the toughest Gi tournament to win, and got double gold at no Gi Pans. She won black belt submission of the night in her first fight to win pro match at black belt as well. And I was proud to vote for her, even though two things. Even though first, I would have been happy to vote for any of our four nominees. And second, uh, I didn't vote for a personal friend that I've been training with for quite a long time. And it is that friend that I am happy won the award. And if you hear me using the word friend and you know Mary Holmes, then you know that I use that word by choice. Uh, Mary Holmes greets everybody with hello friend, sorry friend, when she submits you, as she does a lot, and is just one of the most positive contributors to the jiu-jitsu scene and has been ever since I've been training. I want to read an email from last year's winner. So when last year's winner, Jujutera of the Year, Kim Rice, writes an email advising you that Mary Holmes is the Jujutera of the Year, I think we all should listen. I'm going to read that email from Kim now. I would like to nominate Mary Holmes as Jujutera of the Year. In case anyone doesn't know how hard it is to get a black belt from Hoist Gracie, it's really incredibly hard. I know how diligently Mary prepared for her test, and I was not at all surprised when she got promoted. There are still so few female Hoist Hoist Gracie black belts, which makes Mary not only a pioneer, but a expletive-deleted stud. I can say that Mary is one of the most technical people that I've ever rolled with, and one of the pound-for-pound best Jujuteras out there. And she's the 2018 Dirty White Belt Radio Jujutera of the Year. So last up, but not least, it's our Jujutera of the Year. And this was a packed field. There are so many great candidates, which te- is a testament to how much jiu-jitsu in the area has grown, how many amazing competitors, how many amer- amazing coaches, how many amazing ambassadors for the art are out there. And I think everybody in this category is one of those. So some of the nominees that receive honorable mentions, Cody Malte, once again, got support in multiple categories. I think Cody is a tremendous ambassador for jiu-jitsu and the martial arts generally. Matt Zamora, who won Masters Worlds at, at Purple Belt this year and was promoted to Brown Belt, also won a Toro Cup match, got support. Great year for him. Diego Bispo, who I believe is going to win this award very soon, has won Masters Worlds three years in a row. Everybody knows how good his team is, and everybody knows how good Diego is. But this is the first time ever that we've had a unanimous vote. And the reason for that, no disrespect to any of the other candidates, but DeAndre Corby is one of the most truly well-rounded Jujiteros in the world. He's one of the elite competitors, won match of the year this year for his match with Joao Miao, where he stood up to a world champion. Full-time engineering student, gets incredible grades, and has a bright future ahead of him, and still manages to remain one of the most positive influences on Jiu-Jitsu, both in his area and beyond. And that's why all of the judges uh, voted for DeAndre for first place. And I think that says so much about him, about his team, about his younger brother Gavin, who is going to be terrifying and just generally the culture that they have created up at Coastal BJJ. Uh, I'm very proud to announce that DeAndre Corby is our 2018 Jujitero of the Year. Without a doubt, it should go to DeAndre. He's amazing. Um, I've watched him for the past couple years and each year he's just getting better and better and better. Um, even with taking on more responsibilities at his gym, that uh, words can't describe him as a competitor. His match earlier this year with Xiao uh, Miao was just incredible to watch. I've watched him complete compete locally with all the other black belts in the area, and just he's just head and shoulders. His mental game was off the charts. Yeah, he's, he's taken time 
away from his competition to get his brother Gavin ready for tournaments, and he still comes back better than he was before. Um, I don't... He's just freaking DeAndre's off the charts when it comes to him as an athlete. He's what every every youth competitor and what every adult competitor should strive to be. And that's our show for the week. One of the great things about giving these awards is that you get to recognize a ton of people that truly deserve it. And if you hear all the names that I listed, every single one of those person deserves honor, accolades, recognition. Um, the hard part for me is I always feel like I'm leaving people out. And, you know, part of that is just comes with the territory. You know, there can be only one winner and there can be only a very few number of people that get nominated. But that's where I'm going to seek your help next year. Next year, we want to expand the awards and we want to continue the traveling trophies going around. But for that to happen, I definitely need participation from people. We got some great support for a lot of these folks. But next year, we're going to get on it a little bit earlier and try to solicit nominations so that we make sure we recognize as many worthy people as possible. You know, jujitsu is an incredible thing and has touched so many lives for the better. And we're proud to be a small part of that. So thanks to everyone who called, everyone who left us a voicemail, everyone who sent us an email, and congratulations to everyone who was nominated because in the crowded field of great jujitsu up and down the East Coast, these are some of the few people that really deserve to be held up as examples. My name is Jeff Shaw. This is Dirty White Boat Radio, and I hope you have a great 2019.